This podcast is presented to you by the Young Adults Ministry of Faith Chapel San Diego. To find out more, please visit faithchapelsd.com. To jump into the Word of God tonight, it's going to be a doozy. So as we're getting ready, let's uh, prepare our hearts and why don't we pray? You know what, Jacob? I'm going to call an audible and I'm going to go up here tonight, just because it's brighter. I don't know. I feel I feel like being brighter. Sounds like fun. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for who you are. You're absolutely amazing. And we just thank you, God, that you're here. You're very much near to us, God, and we're grateful for that. And I'm thanking you, mighty God, for uh, the fact that you are in this room and you're able to be where everybody else is in this very present moment. So I pray that tonight when we talk about the Passover and we get into some of the details that you want to deposit into our heart, Holy Spirit, you be our instructor. You be the one who talks to us tonight. We welcome you, and we just thank you for coming and doing what you do best. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Everyone say Passover. All few of us in the room. Okay, Passover. Today marks an incredible day, and I'm really excited to get into some stuff. What I want to do is give you a brief overhaul of what this is in case you're not super familiar with what Passover is. And then we're going to pull some truth out of the Old Testament scriptures in the book of Exodus, and we're going to correlate that to what's going on for us as New Testament believers today. So let's jump right into this right now. The initiation of Passover focuses on the central sacrificial lamb that was offered. This was just before the nation of Israel was about to be delivered from Egyptian captivity. If you need a really good recap, just go ahead and go rent the Prince of Egypt, and it'll cover it really good. I don't know. I grew up on the Prince of Egypt watching that show. It was an incredible show, and they do a really great job uh, making it fun and enjoyable, but also being very accurate. It was a lot of fun. So here's what happened. God instructed through Moses that the people, they were going to put blood, the blood of a lamb, on the doorposts of their homes. This was a physical and symbolic and prophetic act. What they were doing was they were literally marking their homes. These were the homes of God's people because God was about to execute judgment on his enemies, on, the, on Egypt, with this tenth plague. So you know there was 10 plagues that were reaped on Egypt, and this was the 10th and final plague that was coming. And so in order to make sure that you were being obedient to what was being asked of you walking through this act, you were going to put the blood of the lamb across the doorposts of your home so that when this angel came and wreaked this havoc on the city, he didn't touch you or your family. So I love this day, and I love what this day represents for us spiritually, because here's why. The Passover is essentially the gospel. Passover is good news. Passover is good news, especially when you have the understanding of who the Christ is, when you know who Jesus is. What this means for you is monumental concerning good news. So let's talk a little bit about Jesus. In fact, we're going to talk a lot about Jesus tonight, and I got a boatload of scripture for you, so I hope you came hungry because we're going to get into some word. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 5, it says this in the New King James, he says, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. So this is Moses and Aaron. They're getting this instruction from Yahweh, straight from God, saying, this is what I want you guys to do. And then later on in Exodus chapter 12, Moses and Aaron are going to regurgitate this back to the nation of Israel. But this is coming from God, giving them some understanding. This is interesting right here because this is the same qualification 
that Jesus needed. Instead of Jesus, in fact, fast forward, we're going to fast forward and then rewind several different times on our chronological timeline here. But when you go to John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is coming down. He's about to be water baptized. And John's like, that's the guy I've been talking about. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Paul referred to Jesus like this. He said, for indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. What did Peter have to say about it? Peter says this in 118, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life that you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Because in order for there to be this, this perfect Lamb, you didn't want to come bring your, your jacked up, messed up, mangled coat, you know, walks with the lamb, all messed up lamb to God and be like, here's the best I have to offer. Like, this is my broke joke lamb. You're like, no, you brought the best. Because the nature of a sacrifice is the simple fact that the sacrifice has to cost you something. It's got to, that's why it's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice to give your best to the Lord. And it was a sacrifice, obviously, Jesus, the best of all of us, perfect and blameless, without sin, without blemish, had to be that perfect sacrifice. One more, Paul says it again like this. He says, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Everyone say, good news. It's good news, man. It's essentially the gospel. We get excited about the gospel, but I don't know why we don't get excited about Passover when so much of Passover is a huge sign pointing straight to the cross and straight to the Christ. So they're instructed to kill the Passover lamb at twilight and then mark the doorposts of their home with its blood. Then they're supposed to eat the meat of the animal without breaking any of its bones which also just so happens to be exactly what happened to Jesus. It was customary when people were being crucified that eventually they would break the legs because they could hold themselves up while on the cross with their legs. But if their legs were broken, they couldn't push off their legs. And so because of that, they would hang down on the nails and ultimately suffocate. But when they went to break Jesus' legs, not a bone of his body was broken for he was already dead at that time. The same is true for the Passover lamb that none of the animal's bones were supposed to be broken in any way. And then, of course, after this animal was killed and the blood was put on the doorpost, what did they do? They ate the animal. They're supposed to spend the whole night consuming the animal. This kind of reminds me of when Jesus freaked everybody out. You guys remember this story? It's found in John 6, 53. Remember, Jesus comes out and he's like, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you, can have, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person at the last day, for my, my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. And everyone's like, what in tarnation is this dude talking about? And of course, everyone starts leaving the church servers early, and they're like, this guy's on a bad one today. Jesus, we were totally with you until the whole eat me thing, you know, came out of your mouth. And then I was like, yeah, I'm not so sure about this cult anymore. And everybody went their own way. But again, this goes back to the symbolic reference of the Passover lamb, how that had to be consumed as well. 
interesting. These guys didn't see it at the time, but Jesus was connecting the dots himself to the sacrificial lamb, the Passover, which that would that culture grew up honoring. Remember, when, they, when Jesus was saying this, he's around Jewish people. And when he's talking, eat my flesh, drink my blood, they're like, what are you talking about? But these are people who don't even realize it, but they grew up in a culture where on a yearly basis they would celebrate the Passover lamb. They were already eating the flesh. They were already doing this, and they didn't even realize it. And then Jesus is coming, establishing that new covenant with his laid down life and his soon coming sacrifice on the cross, completing this wonderful picture of the Passover. I think it's cool. This is just a rabbit trail. I think it's cool that Jesus liked to eat. <laughs> I don't know about you, but since we've been on this like kind of quarantine isolation time, has anybody increased like what you're eating? which is weird because there's like almost like a scarcity, like there's no food in grocery stores or whatever, but you're home more. And when you're home more, I don't know about you, but it's like your, your schedule's a little bit more normal. And when your schedule's a little bit more normal, you're like, well, what, I got nothing to do. I mean, what am I gonna do, another puzzle? Like I'm gonna eat some more. So we've just been eating. And I keep telling my wife, I'm like, we keep buying more groceries and then we just keep eating our stock. So we gotta buy more groceries. Should we like be buying and stocking our cupboards and stocking our fridge and then like not touching it? And like go get food somewhere else or something or, or eat less, like maybe down our meals, two meals a day or something like that. I feel like we've just been eating more. It's been kind of strange, but I think Jesus liked to eat. I think, I think Jesus, he chooses a meal, the Passover, to prophetically declare who he is. A meal of all things. Jesus is constantly eating with his disciples. Jesus is constantly going to the houses of people and having a meal with them. In fact, man, shoot, Jesus goes and looks for a snack on a fig tree, and when there's no snack there, he curses the fig tree. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. He's like, hungry, I'm looking for a snack, and he curses the fig tree. Obviously, there's more to the story than that, but I think it's funny if you just pull it at that part. The first thing that his disciples see Jesus doing after the resurrection is he's cooking breakfast on the beach. I mean, Jesus loved to eat. He's got the munchies, I think. I think Jesus has a small case of the munchies, which is pretty cool. Anyways, that was a big rabbit trail. Let's get back to something spiritual. As, uh, this is in Exodus chapter 12, verse 11. He says this. He says, and thus you shall eat it, speaking of the meal, and with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in haste, for it is the Lord's Passover. Yahweh's instructing them, don't take off your belt, don't kick off your shoes, don't put away your staff, don't hop into your PJs. Why not? What's the deal? You see, the meal wasn't intended to be a tasty little Thanksgiving meal that you and I gorge out on and then we crash out on the couch watching Disney Plus. This wasn't that kind of a meal. This was a different kind of meal. The purpose of the Passover was the fact that this was the last step of freedom for Israel. They had been in bondage for a long time and now they're finally at the precipice of their freedom. 
And he's telling them, this is the final stage, but don't just hurry up and get through the stage. I want you to catch something. I want you to remember this night. I want this to sink into your spirit because what's about to happen is going to last for generations to come. Literally to the fact that people in the year 2020 are still going to be celebrating it, still going to be talking about it, still going to be preaching it on live stream and putting it out to the world, still going to be doing all these things. So don't rush this moment. Man, that's a word for somebody right now if you can just catch that. I feel like we run way too fast sometimes and we rush the moment. We miss what God could be doing in a beautiful moment. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of being in church and hearing a message and there being beautiful worship, but then there's this part of me, this natural part of me that's like, I'm just ready for it to be done because I want to go eat. I'm just ready for it to be done because I'm tired and I want to go home. I'm just ready to be done because my feet hurt. I'm just ready to be done because I got a show I want to watch. I'm just ready to be done. And so I rush the moment instead of savoring something beautiful that the Lord could be doing. I already hear people talking about it all the time. I can't wait for this crisis to be done. I can't wait for this quarantine to be over. I can't wait for this COVID thing to go away. And trust me, I hear you, I feel you, and there are so many moments where I feel the same thing. But I also want you to catch this. You are in an unprecedented moment like we talked about a couple weeks ago, and I want to encourage you not just to rush through this and try to get back to business as usual because the Lord may be trying to do something inside your life if you'll have eyes to see it and ears to hear it. Amen? I want you to catch that. So don't just be in a hurry to blaze through this moment and get back to things. The purpose of the Passover was it was the last step of freedom for Israel. You see, he's saving you to move you into something. There's a purpose behind why he's delivering you. There's a purpose behind why his salvation is coming to your life. There's a purpose why you're being freed from Egyptian captivity. It's not so that you can just go dance around in the desert and enjoy the fact that you're free. There's a purpose. Our salvation, our deliverance, isn't so that we can get an all-access pass into heaven and then go sit around somewhere waiting and doing nothing, singing all fly away. There's a purpose. We're saved for a purpose. We're delivered to become a deliverer. We're freed to demonstrate what freedom looks like. There's a purpose behind why God's moving in your life. Praise God for the Passover because it means when it's done, our 430 years of bondage is over. That's a long time. That's how long they had been in Egyptian captivity. 430 years. Man, I got to tell you right now, they're saying, praise God that our, our freedom is over because I'm about to come into something, so I am going to savor this moment tonight. I'm going to savor the Passover. I'm going to savor the meal and the time with my family. I'm going to be ready. You know that, he, that it's interesting. He tells them, keep your, keep your sandals on, keep your staff in your hand, because at any moment you're going to go. But then he also tells them, don't come out until the morning. So what do you do when it's 10 p.m. and you're still sitting there? You, you obviously think, surely I could kick my sandals off now. I mean, because I'm not going to go anywhere till the morning anyways. Surely I could put my staff down, right? But what was the instruction of God? Keep this in your hand and keep these on your feet. Keep your belt on. Be ready to go at any moment. Because this isn't about just enjoying the night. It's about what the dawn brings. 
Because when the dawn comes, it's a new age, and the 430 years of bondage is over, and you're about to walk into a new age of freedom, and you're about to step into a Red Sea, which is going to part, and you're about to come into a promised land, and you're about to set the stage for the temple, and you're about to set the stage for the reign of a David, and set the stage for the coming of a Messiah, and so much is going to come from this, so savor the moment, Israel. Praise God for the ultimate Passover lamb upon that cross because it means that my family's bondage is broken. My dysfunction is over. I am a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away and all things have become new. So yeah, I savor the moment when I think about what the Christ has done in my life. And maybe it would do us all some good to pause and reflect a little bit on what he's done in your life. Because, man, I'm telling you, thanksgiving and praise will come off of your lips and out of your being. And it will fill the house where you're at. And your neighbors are going to feel it. And your kids are going to feel it. And your work is going to feel it. And the people you talk with are going to begin to sense something is different on your life. Because you have a recognition of what the Christ has done at the cross for you. Hello, those of you in the room. This is going to this is going to sink in. Exodus chapter 12 verse 13. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. The homes are marked by the blood of the lamb. They'd be passed over and no harm would come to the family. Then they were instructed to use hyssop to dip into the blood to strike the doorpost. This is interesting. They would use hyssop, dip it into the blood, and that's what he would put on the doorpost, kind of like the imagery that you see on the screen behind me. You see also, it was a sponge that was also dipped into sour wine and placed upon a hyssop branch and brought to the lips of Jesus while on the cross. Hyssop showing up in the Passover story, and then to the cross again. I think it's so interesting that it was this plant that was used both as a paintbrush of protection, and it was also the very thing that touched the lips of Jesus right before he proclaimed the greatest announcement of protection for all mankind, and it was this, it is finished. Both matching this hyssop moment the paintbrush of protection, and the declarative statement of the Christ, it is finished. Oh. You see, harm was always on its way to us until the blood was shed. It was our only means of escape from the judgment that you and I deserved. Harm was going to come to us one way or another, so there had to be an intervention the intervention is in Revelation 1.5. He is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead, and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. There was only one way for forgiveness of sin. Yeah, Pastor Josiah, I know I've been a Christian my whole life. I get it. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I know, you, I know you know the story, but has it hit you square between the eyes this Passover? Has it hit you again 
how precious the blood of Jesus. Every year around this time, I probably watch the, the, passion, the passion of Christ, and I've seen it a thousand times. And I remember working at a movie theater back when this movie came out. And it was so interesting that season. Of, I remember the theater we were working for wasn't even going to get the movie because they didn't think it was going to be a big movie. So my dad went to the general manager and said, listen, you guys need to get this movie. I'm telling you, it's going to be big. And he was able to convince my general manager to go ahead and bring the Passion of Christ to our movie theater. And then this was obviously before they knew that this was going to be the highest grossing movie of all time for many years to come. And so my general manager, needless to say, was ecstatic. And my dad got treated like royalty anytime he came to the movies. She would be like, any, any movie you want to see, George, you just watch it. Thank you so much because they made a boatload of money off of The Passion of the Christ. And they were really excited to have it. But I remember working at the theater and seeing people laughing and going in thinking, ha, 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 we're going to watch this Jesus get beat up. And they didn't care. And they might have walked in that way. But I promise you this, when they walked out, it was different. They were somber. They were quiet. They were moved whether they like to admit it or not, because God did something marvelous through this Hollywood's greatest effort to date to portray the cross. So I love to watch it during this season because even though I know the story, it hits me square in my heart again as it needs to hit you square in the heart again. Oh, the blood. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Man. Thank you, Jesus. This Passover became an ongoing ordinance for the nation of Israel to follow. A celebration year after year where they would remember how the Lord had delivered them out of Egypt. Verse 14 of our context. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast for the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. You see, he is really good about making sure that when he does something significant, it stays in the forefront of your mind. God's so good about reminding us to do this on a continual basis. It's common throughout all of the scripture that the Lord ensures that monumental moments become monuments. It's so big. Make sure the monumental moments become monumental in your life. They hit you. They stick with you. You don't forget what he had done. It was crucial to the culture and paramount on the heart of God that we would remember all that he's done for us. It would be passed down to the children and the children's children and the children's children's children and so forth. We seem to have a problem believing that negative things get passed on, but not always good things get passed on. I hear it all the time in our culture. I hear it all the time when I talk with people and ask them, hey, how can we be praying for you? I hear things uh, spoken like this. They say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm predisposed to have anxiety because it runs in my family. I hear people say, well, my grandma got cancer, so I probably will too. Well, alcoholism runs in my family, so I'm far more susceptible to it. Much of that is true, may be true, but... 
there's, just because there's some medical and physical realities that are perhaps inarguable, however, I choose to believe in a superior reality, and I suggest that you do the same. You may have been born with a pre-existing hereditary issue, but you were born again with an authority that cuts straight to your DNA and the very fabric of who you are. Does that mean that you don't practice wisdom? Of course not. You absolutely practice wisdom. Don't be foolish and snack on donuts all day when your blood sugar is already high and say, I'm walking by faith. Thank you, Jesus. No, Krispy Kreme's going to get you and you're not going to be happy about it. But it does mean that if you're being a good steward over your health, that you don't have to walk in fear. You don't have to believe that the negative thing that you've taken, you can be the person that says by sheer willpower and faith in God, I'm not going to be how I grew up. My family may have all gotten divorced as far back in the family tree as I can go, but doggone it, we're going to stay together through thick and thin. I may have been raised poor and didn't have much, but I choose to give my kids a better life than I have. There may be sickness that has come and taken out my grandparents and their grandparents before them, but it stops tonight because I know what I've been born into. I know the Christ that lives on the inside of me and the power of the blood of Jesus that transforms my DNA and changes my reality. Let's believe that the blessings of those who walked before us are what get passed down, not just negative things. Let's believe that great things are also passed down from generation to generation. Let's believe the blessings are inherited. The blessings are inherited. You can receive the blessing of what your father and your father's father and them before them did, and you could reap the benefit of it. I believe that I am walking today in the blessing of what my mom and dad did. And guess what? Their moms and dads maybe didn't do it. But it didn't mean that their story was going to be led in dysfunction and adultery and brokenness and all of the junk. They chose to do something about it, and it happened when the precious blood of Jesus came into their existence. When they recognized, thank God I don't have to walk in that dysfunction because of the blood of the Lamb. And so now I get to stand up here today walking in a a degree of freedom and power and authority because of what they did. And guess what? My kids and grandkids are going to walk in a greater degree of it because of who I am. And the same is going to be true for you if you can grab hold of that. And that's that's not just wishful thinking. That's straight Bible. That's Bible. Solomon reigned in a time of incredible peace because David was a worshiper and loved God. But there was war that surrounded David's life to the point where he couldn't even build the temple. God said, you got too much blood on your hands, but your kid can. And he was going to reign in peace. That's beautiful. Almost done here. When Moses and Aaron are giving this instruction of what to do, to the people of Israel before anything had actually happened. Look what happens in this last verse. Maybe Brian could come give us a little bit of mood music. I appreciate it. Check out this final verse. And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? In other words, they're saying, why do we do this? Why are we having this meal again, daddy? Then you shall say, it's the Passover sacrifice of the Lord. 
who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshiped. Did you catch the response of the people? This is before they even did it. This is before any animal was sacrificed. This is before any blood hit any doorpost. This is before anybody ate. This is before anybody went through the night. This is before any angel came in and struck Egypt. This is before any of that happened. What was the response of the people prior to the breakthrough? They bowed their heads and worshiped. Can you bow your head and worship before the full breakthrough manifests for you? Can you bow your head and worship because your faith is so high that God is moving on your behalf? I don't know what you're crying out for God for, man. I'm sure you're crying out for something. I've been talking to people all week, people who've lost their jobs, people who are trying to get through, people who are walking in fear that are scared, people who are sick and not feeling well. All kinds of stories, man. It's heavy. And I wish I was the guy that could just stand there and say, I have the answer for everybody. Everybody gets a check. Everybody gets a medication. Everybody gets a healing. Everybody, I wish I could be that guy, but I'm not. But what I can do is this. I can provoke you to do what they did. To bow your head and worship on a significant day like today. Before the breakthrough comes. And let that put a faith on the inside of you. To believe freedom is just at the dawn. Breakthrough is coming with the dawn. Deliverance is coming with the dawn. If you're in the room right now, and if you're watching on live stream, I want to encourage you. I know it's weird because you're probably in your house and you might be sitting with people and I want to encourage you to get on your knees before God even now. We're going to do it in this room too. God, we choose to worship you before the breakthrough even comes. God, I remember all the stuff you pulled me out of. I remember what it was like hanging my head after I would fall into my addiction again and again, feeling like the scum of the earth that would never see freedom. And now those days are behind me. But I remember the freedom. We choose to worship you before the breakthrough comes. We choose to worship you. We honor you, Lamb of God.
this Passover night, we thank you. We thank you, God, for your protection. We thank you for your protection over God's people from anything that would harm us. We thank you, God, that you're the one. You're the one that knows how to destroy the virus. You're the one that knows how to protect the people. You're the one that knows how to bring provision. You're the one that knows how to be our provision, God, to be our provider, Jehovah Jireh. Tonight we honor you, God. We worship you. And we love you. Jesus, we love you, and oh, how we love you, you are the one, our hearts adore, Jesus, we
Uh-huh.